Okay, okay, so it's recording. So just before we start, um, this is a reminder, I guess, to everyone. Um, we just need to be done by 1230 because Arjuna has like a really important meeting and I, I use her account for this. Um, so Gruta, do you wanna tell us maybe anything you'd like to share or go to the questions first or what do you wanna do? Uh, I don't have much news, if you will. Uh, it's been interesting. I was a little sick this week for a few days, but <clears throat> I started feeling much better yesterday. And so that's passed. Um, Do you, but, uh, is it just like a regular? You, what kind of sickness was it? Seemed to have like a stomach, uh, stomach flu or something like that. Sorry. But um, otherwise all is well. And uh, let's hear the questions. Sure. Sorry, the, the sickness question was bad. I was like, it, it wasn't coronavirus, right? I, I don't think so. No. Oh, yeah, it doesn't sound like it. I was like kind of freaking out for a second. Um, so, Eric, do you want to ask your question? Uh, good morning, Maharaj. Dhanavats, uh, Hare Krishna. Um, so, um, my question that I have is in regards to one of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes from the Madhya of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. So I was reading about um, a meeting between Mahaprabhu and a prince and that upon embracing him, the prince immediately began exhibiting ecstatic symptoms, seemed to indicate he attained prema through the mercy of Mahaprabhu. And in the purport, Srila Prabhupada says that on the previous day, the boy was simply an ordinary prince and the next day he was counted as one of the topmost devotees of the Lord. The Lord is omnipotent, all-powerful, and he can act as he likes um, in regards to bestowing the mercy upon him. And so this seemed to indicate that Mahaprabhu bestowed the prema or mercy upon the prince, even without the prince making much of a conscious effort, either through sadhana or some kind of purificatory practices to be receptive of such mercy. So this was a little confusing to me because I was under the impression that Krishna being you know, omnibenevolent and omnipotent is eager to give his mercy to everyone, but doesn't force himself on anyone who isn't making the effort themselves. So it seemed like the only reason why a living entity wouldn't have it is because there's something getting in the way of them being surrendered or being receptive. Like, I think I heard a description by a senior Vaishnava, like Krishna wants to fill everyone's cup with water, but some people have their cups turned upside down. And sadhana is the process of turning the cup right side up so they can, you know, receive what Krishna wants to give to them. So my question ultimately is how or why did the prince receive the mercy without what uh, prior um, efforts or practices that would seem to make him receptive of it? Or maybe am I just missing something? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, Krishna explains in the Gita that uh, one feature of himself through one feature of himself, he is um, impartial to everyone, like rain. It doesn't matter. It, it rains on a river and it rains on, on sand, uh, on the mountains and in the plains. Um, and that is a virtue. Um, if God were not impartial, or to put it another way, equal to everyone, then... Um, it would be seen as a fault. Hmm. 
In the same verse from the Gita, he goes on to say in the second half of the verse, but I'm partial to my devotees. Um, so that's peculiar, but in each instance, his impartiality on the one side and his partiality on the other side are ornaments rather than uh, than faults. And the way to understand this, of course, is that Krishna as the Paramatma is equal to everyone as the witness. Hmm? He witnesses, they act, and um, uh, again, he, he, he observes and he does not get in the way hmm, of the reaction to the jiva's actions coming from material nature. In other words, the jiva interacts with material nature in a particular way. And material nature, which is another shakti of his, maya shakti, reacts and it happens to do so in a just way. Hmm? So he's just, he's fair. Um, people sow and so they reap and they sow seeds in relation to material nature, the maya shakti and maya shakti responds. Uh, they put a quarter in the machine and something you know, comes out. Press a button and something comes out. Uh, so Krishna is the witness, the Paramatma is the witness of this. He's equal to everyone. He doesn't intervene. Mm -hmm. There's another reason that he doesn't um, intervene. Well, uh, I've given the one reason that he's, that he's impartial, fair just, um, but another reason is that he is moving Krishna within the orbit and influence of the Sarup Shakti. That's what makes his life go round. If you want to remove the Sarup Shakti entirely from Krishna, you would have Brahman, an undifferentiated, unmoving, um, eternal stillness. <clears throat> so that's Rupa Shakti, of course, the essence of that is, is Bhakti, uh, and Krishna's moving within the orbit of Bhakti. That means that he doesn't directly interact with the Tatasta Jivas, who are not under the influence of the Sarup Shakti. And of course, he doesn't come under the influence of the Maya Shakti either. So because he doesn't come under the influence of the Maya Shakti, he doesn't know by experience the, the experience of the, of the, the Tastajivas. He knows it theoretically, but he doesn't know it by experience. And because he lacks experience of the suffering, he is not as fully equipped to show compassion hmm, 
for those jivas, as are his devotees who have passed through the experience of material suffering and are in this world. So they are considered to be his Kripa Shakti manifestations, fullest manifestation of his compassion. He's compassionate, but his compassion is expressed within the uh, circle of his, uh, of his uh, activities, which is, again, under the influence of his Sarup Shakti. So he's compassionate to his devotees. Hmm? He's kind of indirectly compassionate to the jivas, not without some feeling for them, but he lacks their experience. If he had their experience, then he would have had to, been in, had to have been in ignorance. So that's a problem. Because the experience of material suffering is a result of the ignorance of material attachment. So he doesn't have that. That's good. <laughs> we don't want him to have that. Um, so he makes up for that, so to speak, in terms of an ability to express compassion by primarily expressing his compassion through the devotees. And devotees have had, who have passed through that, have the experience, like we have the experience of a dream. Hmm? We can remember it, uh, we can relate to it, and we're thereby in a better position to express uh, empathy. Hmm? And of course, the way, the primary way in which devotees express empathy is by uh, empathizing with the plight of persons' uh, sufferings, karmic sufferings, is to uh, inspire them hmm, to embrace the remedial measure, the remedy to all suffering. Anarto pasamam sakshat bhakti yoga madhoksatri, which is bhakti yoga. Hmm. So they teach about that. They, you know, they they uh, distribute the tidings, the good tidings of of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and once they do so, then those jivas become touched by bhakti, and now they, to that extent, they come within the orbit that Krishna's uh, life is. Um, animated by and moving around. So um, in the case, and in relation to them, then they are sadhakas. They've been touched by bhakti and they have now bhakti sukriti and it will develop into faith and then into practice. And then they will advance, they will progress spiritually to the point where they can enter into Lila Seva themselves. And they're in that dynamic of their progress in their sadhana, there's a combination of practice or effort on their part and the mercy. Bhagawan. They always pray for the mercy of Bhagawan, by which they feel they'll be better able to practice. Hmm? So both things are there. Mercy and practice. Now, 
In Bhakti Rasamrita Siddhu, Rupa Goswami explains that with regard to the, the progression towards perfection and entering into Lila Seva, these two factors, grace and mercy, grace and effort are, are there. And while it's more typical that one may progress and attain perfection through practice, which isn't without mercy, you wouldn't have it without grace to begin with, and, 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 and we seek more of it, but primarily through practice, they become siddhas. That's called sadhana siddha, who becomes perfect through, through spiritual practice. But there are some who can become perfect despite the fact that their practice is deficient by an, an extra ordinary dispensation of Krishna's mercy. They're called Kripa Siddha. They become perfect by Kripa. And Sri Rupa gives some examples. So they are the exception. Hmm? Um, and here we, in this instance, in this case, we find Krishna's compassion to all his devotees. He may show some special compassion to a certain devotee at a certain time. But devotees don't, because they're devotees, they have no envy. Hmm? They love Krishna. Hmm? If he gives special mercy to someone, they just think he's specially merciful. Just see. They don't think, why did he give special mercy to that devotee and not to me? Hmm? They want to see other devotees blessed and so on and so forth. So in the case of the prince, um, what is in the background to what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did in terms of blessing him is the desires and uh, the work of uh, desires of the devotees and the work of Sarvabhama Bhattacharya in particular. The devotees wanted that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would bless the king. Hmm? But for the sake of setting an example, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu avoided the king who, in contrast to himself as a sannyasi, was the, is, was the personification of worldliness, the king, you know, living in opulence, material opulence. Um, and so to be associated with the king for a sannyasi might make the sannyasi suspect in the eyes of the public. Hmm. He's giving a special attention to the king because the king has money. Hmm. And sannyasi doesn't have any money. And so he secured himself some chapatis in his old age. He's biased. Hmm. So because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna, in a leela in which he is the, an acharya, acharya leela, teaching by example, he very assiduously voided the king's association to set an example that he wasn't purchased by anybody. Hmm? But still, the king had some affection for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the devotees had affection for the king and wanted it to see, I mean, the king was a devotee. He had become a devotee, but still Chaitanya Mahaprabhu for the sake of teaching was avoiding him. So, um, 
they engineered this, Sarbom engineered this, that the, the um, what did he do? That the king's son would dress up like a, like a Vaishnav, wasn't it? Yes, yes. And then Mahaprabhu embraced him at a certain time and so forth. And, um, and then at that stage of the drama of this Leela, which continues, um, it was thought, well, if Chaitanya Mahaprabhu embraces the son of the king, it's like embracing the king. Hmm? So uh, man is said to be, father is said to be born again as his, as his son. So uh, this was a way in which, organized by the devotees, that uh, they uh, successfully, to some extent, um, were able to garner the grace of Mahaprabhu uh, for the king and encourage the king. And they could say, well, you know, he's not going to see you personally, not going to give you darshan personally, for you know this, this, and this reason, but look, he embraced your son. So, there, there you have it. You know, uh, of course, the, the drama, as I say, c- continues, and ultimately, Sarvabhauma coaches the king to dress like a Vaishnava and go to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu at a time when he's in a trance and sing a certain certain verses about the mercy of the devotees. Tabakatamritam taptajivanam kaviviriditam kalmasapaham. Smaranamangalam Srimaratatam Bhuvigranti Buridha Janaha. And Sarvama calculated that hearing that verse, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would arise from his trance and seeing a Vaishnava who had spoken it, he would embrace him. And of course, that would be the king. So he ultimately embraced the king as well. Um, but um, but again, back to the to the king's son, we could say uh, the desire of the devotees was such that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was influenced. And, you know, what a nice desire that blessed the son of the king. And, and so Mahaprabhu made him a Kripa Siddha. So that possibility is there. Does that help? Uh, yes. Yeah, that, that was... Uh... Yeah, that, that uh, I think covered a lot of it. Um, thank you very much, Maharaj. Luck to it. Yeah, okay. Glad it could be helpful. What else? So, um, Tata? Hare Krishna Maharaj. <clears throat> I would like to ask a question. So, um, last day, um, I saw somebody that I knew in the street. And naturally, in my mind, I got remembrance of my identity, who was in contact with that person before when we were in touch. I started to think about myself in my early childhood, school, university, and so on. Everywhere, I had like a different um, circle of friends um, or persons that I contact with, and I had a little bit different uh, personality everywhere. What is more, I had different nicknames. So when I used to hear somebody calling myself by certain nickname, uh, I naturally knew 
from which circle that person is, if he was from from a village, from school or university or so on. And automatically I used to become that person who uh, was called by that nickname. So I was thinking like that, like in my mind and all this thinking drew me to Krishna and his different moods in his different ages and surroundings. Uh, so the question would be, uh, if uh, it is stated somewhere, if Krishna also has such a like a nicknames uh, by which just his closest friends would call him. Yes, of course, he has many names. Uh, <laughs> uh, and his friends call, call him many names also. <laughs> Not only do they call him by different names in a friendly spirit. They also call him different names in a complaining spirit, in an argumentative spirit, in a critical spirit, such as the nature of uh, friendships. Um, so um, they, have, they call him by names that we can't mention sometimes, such as their intimacy with him. But otherwise, there are many uh, affectionate, that's a form of affection too, of course, it doesn't look like affection, but it is. And it's part of friendship. When he cheats in a game, they call him out. Hmm? They call him a cheater. Hmm? There was one time that um, uh, they invented a game on the spot, which is, which is typical. And the game was something like, um, any, anyone could gather any number of fallen fruits, round fruits that would serve as balls, and then they would throw them at others. And whoever was hit by a ball was out. So the last person who was standing was the winner. And so, um, It's a long story, but um, Krishna was hard to hit. He was a good, good athletic uh, in his ability to, to dodge the balls and so forth. Um, and so a couple of them teamed up with a strategy to, um, to overcome his agility and um, They hid themselves uh, around a banyan tree, and then they threw balls at Krishna, which kind of sent him in that direction. And um, and then when he got there, they came up on the tree and you know held them with the balls, and so he was out, you know, of the game. But then he uh, he complained. He, he, he said it, that because he was the son of the of the king of the cowherds, he he shouldn't he he should have special special treatment, and so they were outraged at that, and he would single himself out as being special and different from them. They call foul, right? 
and and then they and then Balaram said, "Yeah, that's a foul." So they tied him to the to to the tree hmm. while they went on and played, and there he wept and wept. Of course, the reason that he was weeping was not because he was tied to the tree, but he's weeping in in joy hmm, because he his friends had treated him like an equal. Hmm. They had real friends. They actually treated them as, anyway, <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit of a, off, off on a tangent from what you asked, but um, so they call him a cheater and other names, hmm, sometimes in challenges to fight, wrestle and compete in that way. They will call him names like Well, they call him different names. I won't mention some. Um, so there, he has many, 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 many nicknames, just like you, more than you, for all kinds of different circumstances. All right, what else? Thank you. Um, wait one second. I just put my fan full screen. Um, so Krishna Chaitanya. Well. Hare Krishna. Um, my question has to do with, uh, I will clumsily ask it, I suppose. It's, uh, I'm wondering about, say, the devotees in Vrindavan, they worship God and they love Krishna. And, and I'm wondering about how do they see Krishna within, say, Dev and Vishnu. Uh, I was re recently listening to uh, Brihad Bhagavatamrita and Gopakumar seemed to see Krishna within Vishnu as he saw, oh, there's my friend. But then there's the gopis when Vishnu shows up, they're like, where's Krishna? And I'm just wondering how the different devotees perceive Krishna within God. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Well, I give the example of Gopakumar, and his example is one of a of a, of a sadaka making progress, and uh, in in, a, in an extended way, kram the kram kram mukti step by step, and so we're taken through all the different possibilities, um, or a good number of them, that uh, will not be the course that most devotees take, um, but it's a teaching. And uh, so he, the point there is that Gopu Kumar has received impressions from his guru, Bhakti Samskars for Sakyarasa. Mm -hmm. and, um, and he has the mantra, he received the mantra uh, that uh, uh, that corresponds with that or by which he can, he, he, he can attain that. He could have also attained Gopi Bhav through that mantra, but he, but he received it from his, from his Sakyaras Guru. Um, so this was his ideal. Uh, however well he understood it, 
Um, in his case, he understood it mostly through chanting the mantra rather than teaching because he didn't have much opportunity to receive siksha from his guru. <clears throat> so as, as an aside, there's an important emphasis there on chanting your mantra. We can take the teachings in, that's good and good and good, but only as good as, as it causes us to apply ourselves that much more to the mantra. Pay attention and chant it with sincerely and so forth. And so, um, so in the context of chanting, then he would experience different forms of divinity, hmm? different manifestations of Krishna, like Jagannath, like Upendra, like <clears throat> Narayan, and so forth. And um, for the most part, he's not, he finds that there's aspects of those forms of the Lord that correspond with his mantra and his this aspiration that he has, um, but they don't fully correspond. And so, as you know, he moves on, he moves on. You referred to his experience in Baikuntha in particular, where he's seeing Orion in Baikuntha, but um, through his particular vision, he sees him, he's the God of everybody, but he understands the God of everybody through the lens of Sakurasa. Hmm? And now he's in Baikuntha, so he's pretty far along here in his, in his progress, so it's, it's coming out. And so he relates in a moment of ecstasy to Narayan as if he's Gopal, hmm? Krishna which is shocking to everybody in Baikuntha because there's a certain intimacy there that they don't share with Narayan, being steeped in reverential love and Dasya Bhakti. Hmm? Um, and he's educated by the people there. This is Narayan, this is, this is yeah, he may have this avatar as, as Krishna he shows sometimes in the, in the world, but you know, that's one thing, but not something you can participate in. That's, he, he's God. This is where you, you actually meet him, who he is. That's their, their angle of vision there. Hmm. So then, of course, he's, um, counseled um, by Narada to, to move on, right, to, to Ayodhya, to Goloka, to, to Dwarka in, within Goloka. And there, Narada passes him on to Uddhava as a sikshu, further sikshu guru and so forth, which uh, ultimately helps him to um, achieve his destination in Braj. Um, so one thing is his, his trajectory and his practice and how he's perceiving. Uh, and another thing is when he's actually in perfection, which the example you give is of the gopis, they're steeped in their in their praying, in their love for Krishna. And then Krishna appears before them as Narayan. This is in the Gita Govinda. So Krishna leaves the Rasa dance, they go looking for him. And then he appears before them as Narayan. And then they ask him, they pay him respects to Narayan. 
And they ask, have you seen Krishna? And he says, yeah, he went that way. Hmm. So uh, they, they, they don't see Narayan as a particular manifestation of Krishna, but they see him as the God that they worship in their homes. Hmm? They are Vaishnavas. Hmm? They're kind of Sakama Vaishnavas. They have desires, <laughs> it would appear, but they worship God uh, and so forth. Um, so I think, you know, the difference there is, is how they've attained perfection and Gopakumar is attaining perfection. Hmm? And when you're attaining perfection, then there, there, there's more tattva, there's more knowledge involved. Hmm? This is Narsinga, this is Vamana, this is Narayan, this is Krishna, this is the difference. Hmm? There's something that we, the tattva that we, 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 we're concerned with hmm? to get a proper conceptual orientation and so forth. Sometimes we've said before that one has to become convinced that Krishna is the source of Narayan in order to forget that Krishna is the source of Narayan, ultimately. Hmm? Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam is a foundational stone of, of, of tattva or philosophy in the Gaudiya um, um, worldview. And it's one that we, we stand on. It gives us the conviction, as Krishna says in the Gita, by standing on the stone, Krishna is the, is the one who is the, is the source of everything and who can accept from an aesthetic point of view all forms of love. So I should give myself, if I want to give myself fully to someone, here's someone who can fully accept. Ryan cannot accept surrender devotion as fully as Krishna can. So I know that, therefore I serve Krishna. Hmm? Now I have the wherewithal, I have the philosophical strength and the, the understanding, hmm? rational conviction to give myself entirely to Krishna. Hmm? And upon doing so, then I enter into the bhav of um, intimate love with him, in which that's, uh, that understanding recedes to the background. I mean, there may be some instances in Braj amongst the devotees where they express, the gopis have expressed, uh, in their complaints about Krishna, hmm? how in other leelas, as Ram, he did this, as Vamana, he did that. Hmm? Um, and and, and, and being being, they're being critical of him, hmm? um, finding fault in him. Hmm? Uh, in his separation. And so that's there in the background, right? Obviously you needed that to go there, that knowledge. It's there in the background. It may come on surface a little bit. There's an instance of they're relating, he, he's wrong. He's, 
uh, as, as Lakshman, he, what did he do? He cut off the nose of that lady. Copernica, they're criticizing him for that. For Bali, they're criticizing him how he dealt with Bali. Hmm? Um, He took away his kingdom as bomb as Vamana, I should say. Yeah, he cheated, cheated uh, um, Bali, tricked him, and so forth. So so they seem to have some knowledge that Krishna. These are the avatars of Krishna, but it's just in the background. It comes to the fore a little bit in separation, but it never overrides their sense of. Krishna as their lover, or Krishna as their friend, Krishna as as their son. It may be proven to Nanda Maharaj, not only by scripture, by the words of sadhus, but by observation that Krishna is the supreme God. For example, in the in 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 the Govardhan Leela, right? They were worshiping him. It was proven. Krishna is the god. Of, and, and the story was, they didn't see it. Of course, the friends did. They saw Krishna coronated by Indra and given gifts by Brahma and Shiva and so forth. They heard the story from, from the friends, but they saw that Krishna lifted the Govardhan hill. And so, even in the face of observable evidence as to Krishna's extraordinary divinity, they take that in, they know it, but it's you know, it's just a it's just a well, it's a something to consider, maybe, but mm-hmm, they're more overriding experiences that yes, it appears as if he was God for a moment. Yes, but then again, if he's you know, what kind of God is it that cries and and complains if he doesn't get enough butter, and you know, God is self-satisfied. So, so, can't be true. They, they, they dismiss it away, but it's there. So does that help? Yes, and, and I'm wondering. So in like Goralila, they're sadhakas, so they're going to see, I guess, a little bit more like Gopakumar, having the more knowledge. Um. Yeah. Um, I mean, to say that they would see they're they're teaching that. that. Yes, they're they're just like us in that regard. Of course, they have a certain relationship with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Hmm? Hmm. and he is God, and he shows his godhood hmm, through his. through his uh, renunciation and his knowledge. These are two of the um, uh, prominent features of his Sadaishvarya. It said that Bhagavan has six um, opulence, is the word I'm looking for wealth, strength, beauty, knowledge, fame, and renunciation. Um, so in Mahaprabhu, we find, of course, beauty, we find fame, we find everything, but we find very extreme. He has all six opulences, but we find an extreme manifestation of Vairagya and knowledge, the knowledge that he showed Sarvabhauma. 
by explaining the Atmarama verse in 64 different ways, the knowledge that he showed uh, uh, Prakashananda um, in Banaris, the knowledge that he showed the Pandit, um, Digvijay Pandit in Navadvip and so forth. Hmm? The knowledge that he showed in Navadvip as Nimai Pandit and his detachment, that these go together, knowledge and detachment. So very extreme manifestations of that. But uh, but they they tend to dismiss it to some extent also hmm? and want to live with him in Nadia. Hmm? And not so much as Nimai Pandit, but when he in but in his Vaishnav, the Vaishnav feature of his Leela, going to Kirtan, singing passing in a swoon, not renouncing, leaving Nabadweep, being the world preacher, hmm? showing, as he did in Puri, extraordinary ecstasies that kept him private, that you couldn't get close to him, and so forth. So there's, there's, the, there's that intimacy in relation to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Gaurlila. But otherwise, in relation to Krishna, they, 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 you know, they, they think like we do. Of course, they're advanced devotees. So they'll worship Krishna because he's the supreme personality of Godhead and they'll enter into an experience of intimacy with him through the context of their practice and then come out of it, so to speak. And there they are in Agorlila. Okay. So what else? You have another question? Kanuro? Mm-hmm. Good morning, Guru Maharaj. Heather had a question the other day about the a variety of bhavas in the in Vrindavan Leela. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Hello, Hare Krishna. Um, so I had a question regarding like oh. <laughs> thanks, Chaka. Dog. Um, regarding like in Vrindavan, um, many there's different uh, forms of love, um, whether it's the fraternal love or the romantic love, et cetera. And I was just wondering, you know, when you think about um, the, the, the love that you will eventually become in Vrindavan, is it selective where you only get to choose or go to one? Like I only get to, to be in the romantic love of Krishna or does one get to have many different I guess, roles, if that makes sense. I apologize for the, I don't know, clarification, I guess, in my question. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, sure. She was also suggesting it It seems like a limitation for the spiritual world that you you could only be in one. Or, or, or is it, can you be in more than one? I mean, I'm just curious. Right, right, right. I think that you... Um, if you look at your material, um, life, uh, spiritual life is not that much different. Um, and we do have defining characteristics about us. Um, and so in spiritual life, there's a defining emotion we call the stayibhav the dominant emotion that overrides others. It doesn't preclude other emotions being involved, but they are involved 
kind of in relation to the dominant emotion that defines me. Hmm? So in relation to any particular person in our, our life, materially speaking, there's a dominant emotion. Like in relation to our children, there's a dominant emotion. Hmm? In relation to our friends, there's a dominant emotion. In relation to our uh, lover, there's a dominant emotion. The difference in the spiritual world, of course, which might seem like a limitation and mandates one dominant emotion rather than, hey, we got lots here. The difference is that there's one center there. Hmm? And that one center is eternal hmm? and fully capable of reciprocating. Whereas here we have many centers. We have a child a child center as a parent. We have a friend-centered relationship with friends. We have all of them. But the problem there is that they're all actually limited because each of the objects of those expressions of love are here today and gone tomorrow. They may not live, you might love your child completely, but the child might not love you back completely. So it looks like there's more, but the problem is that there's many and none of them are really qualified to be the center of any enduring relationship. We get close with somebody, but it may only be one, or you could count the number on, you know, one hand of real friends, maybe, by the time you, 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 you've, you've grown up. And so, but anyway, they're all limited. So the beauty of Krishna consciousness and Braj is that there's one center, but he actually is the center. So he's capable of reciprocating completely in relation to any of those particular types of sentiments. So it's actually not a limitation that you have only one. It's actually overcoming the problem of the many unqualified centers that give you an appearance of many possible relationships. You really have no relationship that you can count on. Hmm? Better to have one that you can actually count on. Hmm? And of course, then, you know, as a friend, let's say, of Krishna, um, in, in, in fraternal love, then uh, you also do have your own parents. You also have uh, 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 or parents who have parental love for Krishna also have sons and daughters. So all the re- you can have all the relationships there. Krishna is the center. They, the parents love their children, but they love Krishna more than their children. And the children love the parents, but the children love Krishna more than the parents. So everybody agrees, but all the full relationships are there. So you do have, while you may have a fraternal relationship with Krishna, you could also have a paternal relationship, a, a conjugal relationship hmm, with other devotees. Those are called sancharibhavs, rather than staibhav. Staibhav is the dominant defining emotion that defines you as the friend of Krishna, for example, the lover of Krishna. Hmm? The Radharani is the lover of Krishna. 
but she loves her parents too. Hmm? But that love of her parents, although it's full and complete, she fully loves them, it serves to augment her love for Krishna at the same time. It only serves to increase it. Hmm? So you have a full range of relationships. One of them is in relation to Krishna is, is dominant and in relation to other devotees hmm, is perfect in itself in two ways. Radharani is a perfect daughter and she perfectly loves her parents and that perfect love for her parents augments or increases her love for Krishna. Does that help? Yes, thank you. That does clarify it immensely. Um, you mentioned about dominating characteristics. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm curious. So, does your dominating characteristic then determine what, um, like, if you will have a fraternal role with Krishna in the spiritual world or a romantic? Is that? Yeah. Okay. It's a good question. Um, I'm not saying yes. I'm saying yes. Yes, it's a good question. <laughs> We have certain characteristics in our present life. We have certain tendencies, propensities, we have a nature and so forth. But really all of this doesn't have much to do with our Atma, with our actual self. It's all a superficiality uh, that we call karma. Hmm? We've plugged into material nature and material nature has responded back. And so we have a certain psychology, certain uh, characteristics and so forth. These things are all counterfeit currency. They don't have any purchasing power in the world, in the, in the reality, in the spiritual world, because they're, they're, first of all, they're not gonna endure. Hmm? Um, so uh, the scars or the impressions that we have from interacting with material nature that drive our lives and, and make us, so to speak, materially speaking, the way we are, they don't determine our relationship in the spiritual world. Hmm? Our karma doesn't determine our spiritual reality. Hmm? The spiritual reality descends from that world to us through the sadhus, saints, hmm? sacred texts, and so forth. And it then, having done so, it does away with the karma. It, 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 um, cleanses the heart, the chitta, the, 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 conscious, the consciousness of material impressions hmm? that, uh, and so forth. And it, 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 it may even spiritualize uh, certain material impressions that we have as, at, the, at, the, at the moment. Hmm? Um, and so these impressions coming from that side they determine our relationship there. Hmm? So let's say we're in touch with a prominent devotee and our guru, let's say, and he or she is driven by a dominant emotion of romantic love for Krishna or fraternal love for Krishna. Hmm? And we're in touch with that devotee then the, in the normal course, hmm, we're going to receive those impressions hmm, for that type of uh, affinity 
And that's going to determine our relationship there, which we'll be very happy with because we like that uh, guru, that devotee, <laughs> uh, and so forth. So uh, that's typically um, the case. In, in terms of Gaudi Vaishnavism, then there are two uh, um, dominant emotions that are made available. Hmm? That is romantic love and fraternal love. Hmm? These are the two that are, that are, we find occurring, mostly romantic love, a certain type of romantic love. Hmm? Um, but the, the fraternal love is, 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 is also there. So someone who becomes a practitioner of this uh, tradition will come in contact with the in, both of those influences, whichever is stronger hmm, will be the determining factor. And the way it, it, it determines it is before you even know it. Hmm? Before you even know it, without knowing these impressions are coming in. And then at a certain point, it appears as if this is my choice. <laughs> but there's some background to why you're making that choice. Hmm? So if you feel a little violated, like, hey, I don't get a choice in the matter. Well, Krishna's a pretty tricky guy, so <laughs> what can you do? The people say, well, love is a choice. Yeah, it is, but Krishna chose to love you. Hmm? In, this, in effect, through his devotees, before you even chose to love him, hmm? his devotees said, you should be a lover of Krishna. And they went, went to you and they started to influence you. And you said, yeah, maybe later, or well, that sounds interesting, but, but it kind of grows on you. <laughs> it can grow on you. And so uh, uh, something's happening unseen, so to speak. You, you, you can't avoid this principle that we see it in our material life. Karnam guna sangasu sarasad yoni janmasu. Uh, we are affected by our association. We are a product very much of our association. As I like to say, we have a nature as an atma hmm, that lends itself to nurture. Hmm. And so the impressions that we receive materially, environmentally, and so forth are going to determine to a large extent, we're going to respond to them and that's going to determine our, our personality. So similarly, powerful spiritual association is is going to have an, a, a, an effect on us. And the beginning effect is kind of kind of unseen, somewhat invisible. And through, then through practice, that'll come out. And then as I say, we'll feel like, I'm feeling like this. This is, this is my, my choice. So no problem. And it is your choice. You have to choose to take advantage of the opportunity that's, that's been presented to you. So both things are there. But, but when we say, well, you have to choose to love, yeah, but Krishna chose you first, so, so there so you go. So it's a little bit like your ontology, like yeah. your, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> All right, well, we have to end because Sergeant Cities has to use this uh, for another, um, important event in her life and so nice to talk with you all and I hope to be with you next week yeah, thank you
Haribo. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Thank you very much. Yeah.